Game and Train is the world's first self-service mobile learning solution. We provide multiple game engines that are creative, fun, and coupled with your business. It's gamification made easy. Create, publish, analyze. How are you today, boys and girls? Come and join me in the classroom and I'll teach you something about aging. As you can see, I have first-hand experience with the aging process. What I want to talk about is a, uh, today is a little bit in a follow-up in the video. We talked about the remarkable work of David Kaufman at Simon Fraser University, who has been Canada's foremost researcher in the area of gamification uh, for over the past uh, 10 to 12 years, and continues to do so. What I want to talk about is the projects we're currently engaged with in AgeWell. We mentioned one of these studies last week. AgeWell is a $36.5 million grant uh, that was awarded. There were over 80 submissions for this grant to create a, a, a national center of excellence in Canada for aging research. More uh, focused on the uh, development of technologies to assist in aging. Think about smart wheelchairs. Think about Skype home monitoring systems. Think about ways that we can help the aging population with technology. So AgeWell is, a, as we said, a, a grant. There were 80 applications for this grant. Out of these, there was something in the area of 10 that were shortlisted, and one of these was the particular AgeWell grant that was put forward for National Center of Excellence uh, that was headed up through not only Simon Fraser University, but the University Health Network and many, many other partners, which are uh, listed at the end of this video. The only reason I wanted to bring this up in this discussion is that our work in AgeWell and our partnership that Ryerson University and Baycrest Health Sciences holds with AgeWell is to look at what's called Workgroup 4.2, which is social connectedness in aging. What we're interested in looking at here is the connection between uh, individuals which can be fostered by gamification and gamification-related activities. In this research line, our goals are to not only look at things like digital narrative, uh, but to also look at the way we can use games to increase social connection with seniors. There's many ways that we can approach this kind of research project, but it all develops uh, from some basic concepts in scientific testing in this area of what we call qualitative research. Qualitative research in game-based learning has a lot to do with measuring engagement, and measuring uh, involvement and, and measuring outcome and actions from learning and training. In this case of age well, we're not looking at training specifically, but looking at how we can connect seniors using game psychology. I think it's useful for us at this point to review, therefore, what we mean by game psychology and get a sense of how gamification is going to proceed in a research setting like this. If we have anything called game psychology, it's going to be divided into about five main areas. The first element of game psychology is that of intrinsic motivation. Are we able to motivate people through a game system to engage in a learning process or, or another outcome? The second thing we want to look at here is engagement. So not only we look at intrinsic motivation, but engagement. Now before we move on to engagement more deeply, let's look at how it couples into intrinsic motivation. Looking at these elements of, uh, of engagement, we just want to again uh, step back a little bit to intrinsic motivation and see how that connects to engagement. First of all, let's define engagement. Engagement is defined as uh, a mixture of curiosity and, uh, and interest. <laughs> so if you have curiosity uh, about something, but you have learning or involvement or interest in it, that is what we call engagement. So it's the process of curiosity. That's the key. Remember, engagement equals curiosity with your learning. So engaged learning is curious learning. One can know what lies around the next band. Good teachers have always been able to foster that. I hope I'm fostering it in you. 
So if we look at the idea of intrinsic motivation, let's just understand this. The Proceedings of National Academy of Science produced a great paper about two or three years ago in which they looked at 11,000 West Point graduates, followed them in their career for 20 years, and they pre-assigned them to either high intrinsic motivation or high extrinsic motivation at the start of the study. There are ways of measuring intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is when you want to do it yourself. Extrinsic is when someone's paying you to do it, or there's some external reward. And they began to track them. Well, guess what they found out after looking at them for 20 years? West Point cadets that had gone on with at high intrinsic motivation had great promotions, great salary changes, generally succeeded in their career in the military. People with high extrinsic motivation had much lower levels of success, and in some cases almost self-sabotage in their careers. Fascinating to see that intrinsic motivation predicted career success. We could say that we knew that was the outcome, but what we want to say about research right now is you can say you know, but until you do the research, you don't know. But now we know. So you can safely go with your old assumptions that, yeah, if a person has intrinsic drive to move forward, they're going to do better in life than someone who has to be externally rewarded. What they found with the ex extrinsic rewards was fascinating. Multiple extrinsic rewards failed to influence the IM group. That means that if I'm doing a job of being a game designer, which I dearly love, and you and I'm making 50000 a year, if you suddenly offer me 500000 a year, I'm not going to do any of a better job for you. I'm already doing the best job I can. Well, I think the manipulative SOB could say, well, then let's bring you in for $5 a year. There is a cutoff point in which intrinsic motivation fails to improve. There is a certain level of comfort in which extrinsic rewards do gate our progress. You could imagine someone that's living uh, on the streets and homeless would, might not be uh, feeling all that great and intrinsically motivated to be a game designer. It might be useful to have a salary and the basic comforts of life. So these are not infinite, but they are definitely relative terms. What they also found was that a compounding the extrinsic motivators, that is offering something like salary increases, plus better working conditions, and better opportunities for advancement in the companies, even if you combine them, guess what happened? It got worse to the point began to interfere with the intrinsic motivation uh, career path. Isn't that fascinating? If I offer you enough rewards, it actually derails you from your primary drive, which is an internal desire to succeed. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Let's move on now to look at the relationship of intrinsic motivation and engagement to our third positive psychological aspect of gamification, and that is mastery. Now, mastery is something we can talk about a lot, and we will in future videos. It's a great term being used by experts in gamification, such as Amy Jo Kim, who designed Rock Band and The Sims. She's an absolutely fantastic speaker. I know some of you are probably familiar with her work. And it's quite exciting that I get into this stuff, I get very interested in this mastery angle, and then I start communicating with Amy, and Amy's doing the same thing. There's kind of a strength in numbers? I would think so. This model of mastery, for me, comes from the martial arts. This idea that someone who is a master of Japanese archery, kudo, or maybe a master of karate do, or maybe a master of calligraphy. Something is on a lifelong journey. Think about a great brick mason who builds beautiful stonework in Italy. Think about the lifetime path that that uh, uh, laborer goes on. We call it a laborer, but really, no, this is craftsmanship. There's a difference between a laborer, someone who shows up at the job site, doesn't really care about their work, and tries to get home as soon as possible, and someone that arrives at the job site and says, you know what, I'm gonna put all of my best into this every day. Why? Especially when no one's looking. Mastery has to do with doing your best 
when no one's watching. And this, of course, relates back to intrinsic motivation and engagement. You see how it builds? So this idea of mastery is built into gamification that you want to take the learner on a journey to constantly improve themselves in the workplace. Since we work in the game-based training sphere, we want all employees that engage in our training programs to feel a sense of pride of ownership and personal mastery as they develop in the workplace. The last element in gamification that's important that we're going to look at today in the area of what we call gamification psychology is that of social connectedness. And this brings us right back around to our work with the AgeWell grant when we want to use social connectedness to lift seniors out of isolation and loneliness. Social connectedness is a way for us to, we are social creatures, a way for us to engage with each other. Do you know that we interviewed some people in our early work in gamification uh, who had worked for a company for over 35 years and had never been told once, great job today. Not once. Wouldn't it be nice if we had an element that we could sincerely appreciate people's effort and provide that social support to say, we see you working hard and we appreciate it. And you know what? A warm hand on the shoulder goes a long way, but what even goes a longer way is a continuous system of reinforcement. And how about widening that social to connecting with other coworkers? Haven't we all seen workforces where there's one king at the top making decrees, usually with his hair kind of downturned like Julius Caesar? Nah, sometimes they're better looking than that. But we have this idea of the emperor mentality. The problem with that top-down organization often is that all the people that actually do the work never connect with each other to exchange ideas and never pass those great ideas on up the organization. You don't need to have a flat organizational scheme in order to get effective organizations, just one in which there is social connectedness and people are free to exchange ideas. These are what we call living, organic organizations. The last thing I'm going to say about gamification psychology is I'm going to learn you a new word, and it's a word I'm going to use uh, in, in future videos, so there'll be a review on it. This is called eudaimonia. Mmm, difficult one, as you can be see by the spelling. Uh, eudaimonia is a term developed by Aristotle. It was used, uh, I'm sorry, it was developed by Socrates. It was used by Plato and Aristotle and has recently found its way back into the research literature in aging. Eudaimonia means purpose in life. There is a rubric we could draw. Imagine an XY graph. And going up this way is something we call hedonia. That is pleasure in life. Oh, you could have a pleasurable life, couldn't you? But you might do it at the expense of everyone around you or at the expense of all of your bank savings. Hold off on that trip to Caracal just another week. All right, then let's look at this axis down here, our x-axis. This is eudaimonia. Eudaimonia is purpose in life. You can imagine that when you have a high level of pleasure in life and a high level of purpose, purposeful fulfillment, you reach a stage and get what that's called flourishing. Yes, we're using eudaimonia now in research and aging, and we're going to use it in a lot more areas as we look uh, into these areas like gamification. So positive psychology is all based upon this general model of us getting great pleasure from life and personal reward, but also feeling like our life has meaning and purpose. Gamification is a system of psychology which brings together this bundle of elements. We put it into a training program to help move the employees in your organization toward a state of flourishing. If people are flourishing in the workplace, ROI is strong, outputs are strong, and generally people are going to like coming into work. If someone likes coming into work, that's a great start, isn't it? Until next week, keep on looking up.
Game and Train, mobile, self-authored, gamified. Check us out at GameandTrain.com.